Well, I've got a couple of verses I want to read here to start with. Uh, Romans 8, verse 6. Alright, it says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Alright, now D, I'm going to read some more there later, but uh, so you might hold that. But Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 18, the Bible says this, Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Now I want to talk tonight about spiritual death. And uh, really those are about the, that's two of the verses in the Bible, the nearest that I can find to spiritual death. Spiritual death is not mentioned in the Bible. It's not taught in the Bible. It's something that men have invented to their own convenience. And I'm fixing to prove it here. So, uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you again for the Word of God. and pray you'd help us to rightly divide it. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would give it unction tonight and make it clear. I have trouble sometimes. I say things backwards and I, I get muddled and say things mixed up. And uh, Lord, I pray you'd help us with that. And I pray everybody would hear what the Spirit says tonight, and and not so much me. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, spiritual death doesn't mean that your spirit is dead. I mean, just think. It's real simple. In the first place, spirits don't die. I mean, that's the first thing I think about. How in the world can that be? Spirit dead. In the second place, if your spirit's dead, then your body would be dead also. Because the Bible tells us that very plainly. Luke 23, verse 46, And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, He said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, He gave up the ghost. His spirit left His body. And His body was then dead. That's the way it happens every time. When your spirit leaves your body, you're dead. Your body's dead. Your spirit's not. Ecclesiastes 12 verse 7 says, Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, that's speaking of this body, and the Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. Spirit is that vital principle in which life exists. The Spirit is life, and without the Spirit, the body is dead. Now it's just that simple. Are you all with me so far? That's just the way it is. Spirit is that vital principle. It's that life. You know, men can make uh, replicas of everything. I suppose if they tried, they'd make a. They could make a. They can make robots that look like a human, feel like a human, they can act like a human, but they're not alive. Man cannot put life into something. Life is not the result of a process of chemicals reacting and combining. and So that's what's so foolish. See, the, all the space program, all the goal of humanity is to go to another planet and find life somewhere. And they're, they're picking their targets by the chemicals that are there and the ingredients for life that are there. And so if the ingredients for life are there, there should be life there, right? That's the way carnal people look at life. 
They think it's just something that's the result of chemical reactions and combinations of the right things. Life just happened. No, it didn't happen. Life is a result of the Spirit of God. God is life. And that's where life comes from. Your body is not your life. The body is dead because of sin. And so, the Spirit is that vital principle. Now, in Strong's uh, Dictionary, it says this. It says it's a current of air, breath. Now, that means in the human aspect, the rational soul, vital principle, mental disposition, spirit, breath. How do you know if something's alive? Well, it's breathing. We're talking about animal, creature, flesh. It's breathing. If you check them and they ain't breathing, you say, what? They're dead. It's, uh, and then, and then in a superhuman sense, it's an angel or a demon. Or in the divine sense, it's God. Christ's Spirit or the Holy Spirit, which, you know, they're all about the same. The Spirit, God is a spirit. They that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. Then James chapter 2 and verse 26, listen to this, how plainly he puts it. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. We always major on that faith without works is dead. You missed that first part there. As the body without the spirit is dead. Well, everybody knows that. So why would we come up with this idea of our spirit is dead? That's all we amount to is we're just a carnal animal we have no spirit because of sin it killed our spirit spirits don't die bodies die you're not a body with a spirit and a soul you're a soul and a spirit with a body that's what you are your body's gonna go back to the dust your spirit's gonna return to god who gave it now breath means life is there no breath means you have a dead body there A lot of verses in the Bible speak of man's spirit in the sense that it's here and active. Y'all wonder why I'm saying this. Well, because Calvinism teaches that your spirit is dead. It died because of sin. So you have no spirit. That's why you can't talk to God. That's why you can't understand God. That's why you can't search for God because your spirit's dead. The Bible says, though, in Proverbs 18, verse 14... The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit, who can bear? Well, what in the world is that talking about if our spirit's dead? Don't make any sense at all, does it? Proverbs 20 and verse 27, The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. Well, if our spirit is dead, what does that mean? Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 21, Who knoweth the spirit of man that goeth upward and the spirit of the beast that goeth downward to the earth? So, man has a spirit. Even a beast has a spirit. Life. There's something, there's a vital principle that keeps him alive. Even plants and stuff, they, they have a, they, there's life there. But there's different words for spirit in the Bible that distinguish between plants and animals, lower animals, and man. Did you know that? Have you studied that out? You ought to. 
Ten times the Bible mentions the vexa vexation of the Spirit. Nine times in Ecclesiastes and another time somewhere else in Isaiah, I believe it is. <laughs> vexation of Spirit. Solomon said it all over and over. All this world, this whole world, that's what he was talking about, wasn't he? I mean, in Ecclesiastes, he was looking at life in this world, carnal life. And all of man's inventions and his activities and his work and his labor and it all. And he said, it's all vanity and vexation of spirit. Because the spirit and the flesh are contrary one to another. See? To imagine that the spirit is dead, now that's real convenient for those who believe in the inability of man. However, it's simply not backed up by the Bible and but only by the doctrines and creeds of men. It's on where you can find. It's the only place you can find that a spirit is dead. Ain't no such thing as a dead spirit. Spirits don't die. Bodies die. Bodies of flesh die. When Adam, when God told Adam that thou shalt surely die, he meant physical death. Obviously. Now, the Bible doesn't refer to or teach anything about the death of spirits, but only the death of the body. Why wouldn't they think a spirit dies when the, some of the angels that rebelled with, with Satan in heaven, they're bound in chains right now, waiting. I mean, all these millennia, they're looks like they'd have died of old age. Spirits don't die. The Bible teaches of the second death, which is the eternal separation from God and the righteous of every soul and spirit that were not redeemed, regenerated, and born again of the Spirit. He does, the Bible does talk about that and calls it the second death. And it's referring to spiritual beings there, but it's not death in the sense that we think of it here and now nor in the manner that most understand spiritual death to mean. Now, you all understand what I'm saying there? The second death. You all have read that in the Bible. That's the white throne judgment when everybody that's been alive, everybody that's ever lived, are judged. And those whose names were not written in the Lamb's Book of Life were cast into the lake of fire forever. Death and hell gave up the dead which were in them. The sea, the earth, they were all gathered there. And that is called the second death. And it's separation. It's not the, the end of your existence. It's your separation from God and the righteous into everlasting darkness. Yeah. You're put out of the universe forever. Never allowed back in. That's the second death. And that's the only kind of spiritual death that you're going to find in the Bible. And it's not death in the sense that they think it is or teach that it is. Now, the natural man is not spiritual, but carnal. And to be carnally minded is death. Romans chapter 8 and verse 6. We read that. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So, if you're spiritually minded... If you're born of the Spirit and spiritually minded, that's the only way you're going to be spiritually minded. That's life and peace. Carnal mind is enmity with God and it's death. The sense in which man is spiritually dead, now listen to me, 
is that he is totally and willingly given up his mind to the demands of the flesh. That is spiritual death. That's what everybody means. Well, <laughs> they're looking at that because everybody sees that situation that everybody in a lost condition is just walking after the flesh, mindful of the flesh only. Everybody sees that and understands that, but they interpret it to say that some of the people explain it by saying, well, their spirit's dead. And they leave it at that and say, well, that's a, that's a good explanation. Well, that's not a good explanation. But you can find a good explanation in the Bible if you look for it. Here's what's wrong. The carnal mind, the carnal men have just willingly and totally given up their mind to the demands of the flesh. Romans chapter 8 and verse 5, the verse before the one we read, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. Two different worlds. Two different vital principles. Two different lives. Two different reasons to live. Two different powers to live. After. So those who walk after the flesh and not after the Spirit are walking in death. They'll surely die. Yeah. They're surely going to die. Just like God said to Adam long ago. Romans 8 and verse 13. For if you live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. So part of walking after the flesh is being fascinated and intrigued by the spiritual world. Because some people say, well, you know, there's spiritual people out there. They're just not Christians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got people that are interested and fascinated and intrigued with spirits and ghosts and, and all kinds of other things and their activities. When, but, but when people turn away from God or people who've never been exposed to the true God and His Word, and they don't know anything about Him, they're almost, without exception, they are very superstitious. I mean, just think about that. Look at them. When you find an uncivilized, savage tribe in a jungle, no matter where it's at in the world, you're going to find very superstitious people. The Indians were really superstitious. They were just eat up with worrying about spirits everywhere and spirits this and spirits that. If you go to New Guinea, the black people that live there, you'll see the same thing. They're fascinated with it and buddy, they believe in all of that witchcraft. It's always witchcraft. It's always darkness. It's never light. They never get light from spiritual things. They get, they, it's darkness, man. The natural man cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God, but he certainly knows there's something beyond what he sees and hears and feels here on this earth. The natural man can't receive the things of the Spirit of God. Neither can he know them. He knows that life is more than just this flesh and that there are powers working that are beyond his knowledge or his ability to understand. Now, you can see that in people. You can see that in people you know. When I preached on superstition, you know, we just had to really bear, bore in on that, how that people are just eat up with that. And, and even us, we're so yeah. 
uh, indoctrinated in it and polluted with it in our language and our thoughts and stuff till you, I bet you, if you listen to me that night, you're still catching yourself. You're still catching it and hearing it when you see other people and you say, oh, I can't believe it. It's everywhere. And that's because natural men can't receive things of the Spirit of God, but they know there's a spiritual world and they know there are spirits and powers at work and they don't understand them and they can't figure them out. But they're interested in people who will tell them something, people who will help them some way. It, that's another proof right there that your spirit is not dead in the sense that it's, that it's able to perceive spiritual things. It's only blind and apathetic to the things of God and righteousness. Now there's where the spiritual death is at in people. Right. Man, they can see ghosts. They can see angels. They can see miracles. But they sure don't, they don't understand the Word. It's blank to them, the Word of God. Anything to do with God in reality is just a blank sheet of paper to them. They can't understand it. And they're even adverse to it. <clears throat> but that's proof that your spirit is not dead when you're lost. Yeah. Carnal men try to understand spiritual powers and activities by a lot of different means. <laughs> well, there's the wizards and the witches and the mediums of all different kinds. <clears throat> you know, and they try to communicate with the dead and... <laughs> to obtain power to control other people or to obtain some kind of physical gain or pleasure. Isn't that what it's all about? What do you, what do you go to somebody and have them read your hand or read tarot cards or what are you doing that for? So you can see the future. So you can see if there's something bad, you can change it. Well, how can you change it? I mean, if, if they see that in your future, it's in your future. How are you going to change it? And how come most people don't win the lottery all the time? Yeah, right. For sure. <laughs> and so, because they're liars, that's why. And there's plenty of suckers out here who are interested in spiritual things, but they, everything but God. Anything but God. Any way but God and righteousness. They'll drink blood. They'll spill their blood. They'll sacrifice their children. They'll do anything in search of spiritual answers and, and experiences. But not God. No, sir. Not a holy God. God strictly forbids all manner of meddling with the spiritual world by any means other than His Holy Spirit. Now, remember that. And you know that's a fact because we read it in, the, in Leviticus and I preached about it and God put the death penalty on all of this stuff. All necromancers communicating with the dead, witches, uh, and he named up soothsayers and all the rest of them, astrologers and everything. If it's not of God, it's evil. And God pronounced it abomination and decreed the death penalty for all that involved themselves in it. So it's a serious transgression to try to look into spiritual things going around God. There's only one way you can be spiritual. And that's to be born of the Spirit of God and be led by the 
Holy Spirit of God. That's the only way you can be spiritual. (laughs) Pagan religions and cults are all built around some carnal attempt to formulate a a systematic understanding of spiritual powers. You've heard of systematic theology. Well, pagan religions do the same thing. And it's it's a carnal attempt to have a systematic understanding of spiritual powers in order to control their fear of the unknown. Yeah. I mean, they... How how do you think... Who do you think? And how do you think they ever come up with all these pagan gods? The Greek gods and the Roman gods and and how come they're all so similar? And how come you find them in other cultures as well? And how come they're always carnal? Y'all, you know, I had to learn about them gods in school. And there's a bunch of whores and whoremongers. That's what they are. They're just superhuman. Uh, what I just said. They're just people's vile imaginations. Uh, you know... Yeah, embodied in these gods they made of themselves. They want to be like their gods, you know, immoral. Kind of like the Muslims, you know, having 70 virgins in heaven waiting on them. Yeah, right. All the pagan religions do that. Trying to figure out what the spiritual powers are that are working by carnal means. And relating everything in that realm to what they know here in this realm. What I talked about last week. See, they're blind and they can't see and understand. Psychology and psychiatry are also attempts at defining and understanding the things that make people do what they do and be what they are. Here, I want you to listen. Listen to me. Here's these Greek words again. It's, It's words that are referring to spirit. In the Bible. It's a 5591 Greek in the Strong's Greek Dictionary. It means psychikos. P-S-Y-C-H-I-K-O-S. Does that sound anything familiar to you? It means sensitive, animate. It's, it's to distinguish on one hand from uh, which is the higher renovated nature and on the other from that which is the lower or bestial carnal nature natural nature see that's what that word it it distinguishes between the two what does a psychiatrist try to do to you Hmm? there's another word 5590 it's uh, psyche well I just set right out you know they want to get into your psyche what is that what are they talking about? They're trying to figure out what makes you tick. What makes you think like you think. What makes you do the things you do. What makes you be like you are. You have some disorder. And they try to figure out where it come from. Or why you do this. And, and what they do is they try to make you get over it by pretending. Just pretend or look at something or... You know, think about something else. That's, that's what they do to try to get you around spiritual problems. They know. 
I mean, this whole thing of psychiatrist and psychiatry started with people trying to do the same thing the pagans do, trying to do the same thing all the cults do, trying to do the same thing witches and tarot card readers and prognosticators and everybody else does. They're the same bunch. Just doing it in a scientific, ain't nothing scientific about it. It's people trying to manipulate and work with spiritual powers. They just don't want to call them spiritual powers. They're carnal. They're trying to do it with carnal means and charge you. I don't even know what they charge now. You know, you used to talk about them charging $60 an hour. Well, a mechanic will charge you that now. So a, a psychiatrist is bound to charge you way more than that. This state of spiritual death. Now, you all understand what I've been talking about. What is the state of spiritual death? What does it mean? It means that you have yielded your mind voluntarily. It's completely your choice. Nobody made you. It was not anything that was forced on you by any other being or power in the universe. You chose to give your mind and your strength and your life to your flesh to do what you want to do. And therefore, you're dead. You're going to be dead, deader than you are right now. You're alive unto sin right now, but you're going to be dead forevermore unless you get born again. The state of spiritual death is the assurance that you'll spend eternity in the lake of fire with the beast and the false prophet and the devil and his angels and everybody else who refused to submit to God. There's only one escape from the spiritual death, and that is to be born again of the Spirit of God. (laughs) Now, I'm on a hurry and I'll be done here. But the vital principle that makes you live has to be changed. You've heard it all your life. You've been in church. You've heard preaching and preaching. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. He's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. It's a new creature. It's not the old creature with a new wardrobe. Or the old creature with with just a makeover. You don't just turn over a new leaf. The old man has to die for the new man to be born again. There has to be a death before there can be a resurrection. And that's what happens to you. You get resurrected. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. Listen what he says. Nevertheless, I live. Crucified means dead, by the way. That don't mean suffering. That means you're dead. If you've been crucified, you're dead. Nobody lived over it. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Colossians chapter 3, verses 3 and 4 says, For ye are dead. Now when they say the old man still here, he ain't dead. I got the old man and the new man. I got this old nature and the new nature. And they battle with one another in here. It's a white dog and a black dog. When they tell you that stuff, I'd just soon hear Kenneth Copeland talk as what, you know, hear that junk. Yes, sir. That's right. It's as much of a heresy and blasphemy as that devil. 
He is so full of the devil that if you can't see it all over his face, something bad wrong with you. Mercy. You have to be born again. You're dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. So your, your vital principle has to be changed. For me to live is Christ. Christ. For me to die is gain. Yes. <laughs> so my life's about something totally different after I'm born of the Spirit than it was before when I was walking in the lust of the flesh. When I was carnal, sold under sin, they no way I was walking after the Spirit. And see, everybody takes that out of Romans chapter 7, where Paul's talking about his past. Starts out in the past, stays in the past, but he says that I am carnal, sold under sin. Said, That's present tense. I can show you hundreds of places in the Bible where it talks in present tense, and they were talking about the past. What about Romans 6? What about Romans 8? What about all the rest of the Bible? What about this truth that we're preaching right here and giving verse after verse after verse about? You either walk after the flesh or you walk after the Spirit. You cannot do both at the same time. Your life is either about this world and the flesh and pleasing yourself or your life is about Christ. And you're walking after the Spirit. Not the flesh. The Bible calls this regeneration. Titus chapter 3 verse 5. Not by works of righteousness which we have done. But according to his mercy he saved us. By the washing of regeneration. And renewing of the Holy Ghost. Now do y'all know what regenerate means? I looked it up. The good old Webster's 1828 dictionary. Here's what it says. It means to generate or produce anew. How about that? Number two, it means born anew, renovated in heart. Now listen what it says. Changed from a natural to a spiritual state. Regenerated. Yeah. God created man to fellowship with God. God created Adam a spiritual being with a body of flesh. That's the way it was. And is. And sin has so warped everything, see, to where man in his natural state ignores his spirit. He is apathetic about it. He doesn't, when it comes to God only. Oh, he's all about magic and witchcraft and everything else. All about them mysteries and fascinating things, but not God. What put this enmity between man and God when it comes to spiritual things? <clears throat> the vital principle of our life can't be carnal and spiritual at the same time. <clears throat> I can't live for the flesh and live for God. We either live after the flesh or we live after the Spirit. <clears throat> That's what Brother Owen preached on for a year and a half out of Romans chapter 8. Hammering and hammering and hammering. 
<clears throat> and I remember one time, one one thing that he mentioned over and over was that in all of the new perversions of the Bible, they always leave after, <clears throat> leave out that last part of Romans chapter eight, verse one and two. There, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. End of verse. <clears throat> Uh oh. <clears throat> I'll be alright in this second. Let me just catch my breath for a second here. Romans chapter 8, verse 5. I'll read it again. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. <clears throat> if you are a spiritual person, in the sense of a godly spiritual person, one that's been born of the Spirit of God, you mind the things of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. The Spirit of God. Right. You're not off on these tangents of spooks and boogers and demons and all that stuff. Right. All you do is say, that's not of God. That Spirit is not of God. And you stay away from it. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> you seek the Spirit of God. You seek His guidance, His presence, His working in your life. He teaches us. He leads us into all truth. He speaks of Jesus. He explains Him to us. He introduces us to Him. Right. He, he, enters, he helps us to pray. What do you think praying in the Spirit means? You think that's some kind of religious uh, uh, state that just comes over you? Some kind of a thrill, religious thrill or experience, emotion, emotion that comes over you and you can just really pray. <laughs> You just feel so good praying because you're praying in the Spirit. Is that what it is? No. You're praying in the Spirit and instead of the flesh. You know, when we pray in the flesh, I think it's when we're just vain repetitions. And when we're just thinking of only fleshly things and trying to pray to God about all these problems and everything we got and you know, I know we're to pray for the sick. I know that. I know the Bible says that. But that's all we pray for anymore. Any prayer list that any church has got, it's only about sickness. Mm -hmm. right. If we were praying in the Spirit, I think we'd be praying about all the spiritual powers and darkness that are at work around us and praying for God to, <clears throat> to make them flee, to stop them. To put them down. That's right. But we don't pray for that. We pray for people. You know. We pray against people. We pray about this situation. Really we just complain to God about it. That's what our prayers are. We just complain about it and cry and moan and, and grumble and you know. Wish that it would go away. That's our prayer to God. That's not praying in the spirit. No. We got to be changed. From a carnally minded person to a spiritually minded person. So there can be no, there could not possibly be any such a thing as a carnal Christian. Don't you see that? What in the world? How in the world can anybody believe such a thing? If they have, they must be totally void of any spiritual understanding to believe that you can be a Christian and carnal. No way. Go ahead and point me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We'll talk about that. 
<clears throat> he said, I couldn't speak to you or come to you as, as uh, you know, as you're, you're carnal. He talked about them being carnal. See, there I go. I jumped off last week and got on the baptism and I went through that audio and to put it on the radio and, <clears throat> and I told her, I said, man, what a mess. I, I, baptism, the Catholic Church believes, is the new birth. That's what I thought I said. I ain't what I said. Yeah, but anyway, that's that. That's the way it is. But that's not talking about First Corinthians chapter three. He's talking about carnal. He said, "You're carnal. Are you yet carnal?" He said, "What do you think he's asking them? Are you even saved? Are you lost still? I mean, you act like you are. I don't see no proof that you're saved." <laughs> Anyway, let's move along here. I'm, i got to get down. I'm about done here. This is what it means to walk after the Spirit. We learn to discern things according to the spirits at work or involved in events. We learn to discern things according to the spirits that are at work in events that happen around us. Like this election, for example. Or some calamity in somebody's life. Or something that somebody does. We learn to discern things according to the spirits that are at work or that are involved in people, their attitudes, their moods, their opinions, as well as their choices and their words and everything else. You look at somebody that's just going down the road to destruction. Don't just moan and groan and ponder and struggle over what's wrong with them and why do they, how can they be so stupid and why would they choose that? I mean, wake up! <coughs> If you're spiritual minded, you're going to realize there are spiritual powers at work here. This is not just, uh, you know, explainable. You can't explain why people even sin in the first place. It's totally illogical and wrong and against common sense and everything. Can't explain it with worldly carnal things. But that's what we do. We just despair trying to figure it out. What's wrong with them? I thought they knew better than this. I taught them better than this. I can't understand it. Pray. If you're going to pray in the Spirit, pray about those spirits that... Jesus did it. That's His whole ministry on earth. That's what it was about. That's the way He attacked every problem, every sickness, every problem that He ran across. That's what He did. But we don't. We try to handle it with our carnal mind. And that's what I'm just preaching on this so much for. We're just supposed to be a spiritual people. And to be spiritual, to walk after the Spirit, it's not just a good religious feeling. Yeah. It's not just feeling good about yourself because you're faithful to church and you give and you do all this. That's not being spiritual. <clears throat> I see these pictures on Facebook of preachers going around to magic shows and everything else and just, uh, in restaurants and always showing their food that they're eating and always uh, talking about where they're at on vacation and they're at the beach and they're at the magic show and they're... Yeah! Well, you can just say whatever you want but you ain't going to convince me in a million years that they're spiritual. They're carnal. They're after this world. 
they're living after this world. Say, you don't believe in doing nothing. Yeah, you're about right. Just about right. This world is full of darkness and wickedness and defilement. And I don't want it on me. I don't want to go swimming in the sewer with them. Why do you? Well, we stop walking in darkness. That's what it means to walk after the Spirit. We stop walking in darkness and confusion and doubt. It bothers me somebody that's just always perplexed and confused and indecisive and uncertain about everything. It bothers me. You walk after the Spirit of God, you're not going to be that way. Jesus said you walk in the day, you got the light, you won't stumble. We read that this morning. In fact, I got this written down. Well, no, I didn't. I didn't write it down. What did we read this morning? John chapter 12? That's where it's at. Yeah. You walk, there's 12 hours in the day. You walk in the light, you don't stumble. You walk in the darkness, you're going to stumble. If you're, and we're told here to walk in the light. Uh, Jesus, then uh, John chapter 8 verse 12, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Now what does that mean? You're going to be in darkness. You're going to understand some things. You're going to be able to have some stability and, in, and assurance, and you're going to quit making stupid decisions and doing stupid things and stumbling around. I believe that. I believe it gives you a spirit of a sound mind. And so you don't walk as fools, but as wise. Because you got light. You walk in carnal darkness. That's darkness. It ain't no wonder you're going to stumble around. Ain't no wonder your marriage ain't going to work. Ain't no wonder that... Everything in your life is going to be a disaster. Yep, it's true. And you know, I mean, no wonder you can't get along with nobody. And you have trouble with everybody you run into and everywhere you go and every place you work and everywhere you try to go to church and, and you're with your own family and you can't get along with nobody. Ain't no wonder. Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 27. This is Old Testament. This is God speaking. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. That's Old Testament. Here's the New Testament uh, fulfillment, if you will. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So there you go. Sin and religion is not in the Bible. It's not of God. Now I get you out of that business. Now a preacher can't say that without they say, Oh, you're a sinless perfectionist. Oh, so you never sin. That's always the comeback from carnal people who do not know God. That's just all there is to it. You won't think like that. If you're walking after the Spirit of God, you won't think like that at all. You won't be accusing people like that. In fact, you won't have that kind of spirit toward other people. That's right. Yes, sir. That's right. <laughs> you want to help people. You be patient with people. 
I didn't learn all this 40 years ago. Long time. A coming. So I need to be patient with people that don't understand some of this stuff. But at the same time, it's my duty to call them out and say, hey, you know, step on up here a little higher so you can see better. Understand. There's spiritual birth. We talked about that last week. And then there's this spiritual death that's in amongst all the religion. And there is a sense, you know, if you want to call it spiritual death, I've told you what it is tonight. But it's not that your spirit is dead in you. It's just that you don't care about God. All you care about is your flesh and the things of the world. Amen. Amen. This stuff's helpful to me. I hope it helps you. Hope it helps somebody else. Father, thank you for the Word of God. I appreciate it so much, and it is—it so uh, thrills my soul. The truth to understand these things, and I have trouble trying to explain to other people. And I know that a lot of times they don't understand. I just pray you'd help. That's where I have to trust you and your Spirit to explain and to carry the words and to translate for me, if you will. Lord, I pray that you'd bless it to the hearts of each one that hears it and go with us now that we get home safely and work in our lives this week and help us, Lord, to be a blessing to somebody else. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.